Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I am your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is Chris Odegaard. Chris was a conventional investor most of his life. He experienced the illiquidity event where he lost 55% of his assets. And in nine years, using alternative investments, he recouped that 55% and multiplied it many times over. And Chris goes into the difference in conventional versus alternative investments and just what that is. I think often there's some misconceptions about those two things. And he calls it, you know, versus the prolific investor as well. And he does lots of educating around this topic. But I just think there's so many ways that we are taught growing up around conventional investing that we just have to get our minds out of that box. And Chris helps us with that today. And one thing I want to share with you, I want to give a shout out to a company that I have been using to help build loyalty with our investors, right? And it's a way that you can provide amazing gifts to people that you want to send a gift to. It could be family, you know, the holidays are coming up as well. But something that's very unique and something that you can even have their name put on, like a very nice knife set or cutting board, or there's so many options and you can have them personalized for that person that's receiving that gift. You can have their name put on a nice knife or something. So every time the family member or anybody in the family sees that, they think of you, right? They think of the gift in that relationship that you have and are building with them. And so it's something we have used and are using more and more. And that is lifelonggifts.com. I hope you will check them out, lifelonggifts.com. One of the owners is a friend of mine and in a mastermind with me. We have really enjoyed working with them and using these gifts, right, to bless our investors, just to say thank you. But I hope that you will check them out. Chris, welcome to the show. I know you have some skill sets that are going to help many of our listeners and passive investors who may be kind of stuck in a rut and maybe some money that, hey, they could be doing some other things with that they have not thought about. And so I'm looking forward to getting into that and really pulling some of that expertise out of you so they can have a better understanding about that. But first, I want to learn a little more about you. Where are you from and how did you get into this business? Sure. Well, thanks for having me on the show, Whitney. Happy to be here and share what I can. Well, I'm originally from Cincinnati, Ohio. Went to school in Daytona Beach, Florida. Worked for the Boeing Company for a few years. A few years being an understatement out in Seattle, Washington. But today, I'm the prolific investor. But I wasn't always the prolific investor. Like a lot of Americans and other people, you know, I was a conventional investor for a long, long time, investing for my financial freedom and retirement with mutual funds for a 401k. And that is a slow path to mediocrity. And that point was so far away, you needed a telescope just to see it. So I was on that path for quite a few decades. And what I finally refer to as my illiquidity event in 2009, where I lost 55% of my assets and thousands of dollars a month. And that was the end of my 19-year marriage. And all of a sudden, that path to mediocrity got exponentially worse. And at 45 years old, I was looking, okay, well, how am I ever going to get there? Or am I just going to work for the man forever? And then a friend of mine, coincidentally, around the same time, oh, and of course, you know, that was the bank failures and the real estate market. So that all was just kind of on top of that. But coincidentally, around the same time, a friend of mine said, hey, Chris, you should get this book and read it. And so I bought this book and I dutifully set it on my nightstand and it sat there for 
longer than I care to admit. And then I was on a business trip and I said, I'm going to read that book. And of course the book was Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. And that just turned my world upside down. And, you know, I started moving in that direction and alternatives as well, I wouldn't say as fast as I could, as fast as I comfortably could. And nine short years later, I was looking back on everything and it was like, wow, I hadn't made up all of that 55% and multiplied it many times over. And that would not have happened with mutual funds through a 401k. So that's when I started the prolificinvestor.net and started sharing my experience with everyone, hoping to move people from conventional investments over to alternatives in some way, shape, or form. Nice. That's incredible. And I just appreciate you being willing to share some hard times, right? Just how you thought then to how that changed to how you're thinking now and helping others do the same thing. Let's jump right in. So what are you doing different now versus what you were doing then? You talk about conventional versus prolific. Let's dive into that. Well, I was uh, 100% conventional investments back then. Now I'm 95% alternatives. What is that? For the listener that may be kind of new to that, or maybe they're thinking they may be in a conventional type investment, but not really realize that that's what it's considered or that there's some kind of alternative. Yeah. So everything that's publicly traded, stocks, bonds, and mutual funds, those are conventional investments. Everything else is alternatives. So, you know, you're Stocks, bonds, and mutual funds, CDs, things like that. And then you start looking at alternatives. That's everything else. That would be things like notes. Every segment of real estate, whether it be single family or apartments or commercial, cryptocurrency, precious metals, investing in business equipment like ATMs or earth-moving equipment, the energy sector, natural gas, oil, coal, stuff like that. And being a shareholder of a business, but private shares, not public shares, And believe it or not, cash value, life insurance is something that should be part of everybody's portfolio. And of course, what you do, being a syndicator, raising money and puts deals together, those are all alternatives. And it's funny, when the conventional investor goes to a financial planner and they build them a diversified portfolio of stocks, bonds, and mutual funds, it's not diversified at all. They're only in the paper asset class and they don't have any of the other good stuff. Yeah, I appreciate just some elaborating, right? What is considered conventional versus everything else? I just think it's great to even help us to think outside that box a little bit. Often we're raised to just think about the conventional ways. I know I was and most of our family, it's like, well, that's just what you do, right? You're not even exposed until you read that book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. You almost just aren't thinking that way. You can't see outside this box. And so let's help the listener think outside that box a little bit, right? But it can seem very complicated. It can seem a little scary, right? Because maybe that's not what we've been exposed to. The more I've learned, I would say it's the complete opposite. I'm scared to invest in the <laughs> conventional ways now. But dive into that a little bit and let's help the listener think through maybe what they have in the conventional ways that, hey, they could be using in a different way. Well, sure. You mean talking about some of the investments themselves or what are the advantages and disadvantages? Yeah, just helping to think through alternative versus conventional and how they even move from conventional to alternative investments. Right. Some people become alternative investors by accident. An example that I would use is they're starting a young family. They get that first starter home. They get over the home, get the down payment, buy the house. And then a handful of years goes by and the family is bigger. They've outgrown that house. They move up to the next one. And some people sell the first one, but some people just go, why don't we keep that first house and buy the second one, rent the first one out and boom, they're an alternative investor and they get all the benefits, better returns, built-in tax efficiency, the ability to insure your asset, the ability to use leverage against it. All of a sudden with one 
little investment, they're an alternative investor and they're getting a ton of investment. So if we can show people how superior alternatives are, maybe they can make a purposeful move in that direction and see what they're missing out on. No doubt about it. Yeah, just thinking outside that box like you're talking about and making that shift. So tell us a little bit about, maybe there's some examples of folks that you've worked with recently or that you're helping. They were in this conventional, but now they're doing some alternatives. How do they do that? Maybe 401k, somebody that has a 401k, but they've not thought about being able to use that. How do they do that? Well, I'll use myself and then I've translated this to other people. I was part of a networking mastermind with alternative investments a while, quite a few years back. And like a lot of conventional investments, I had a ton of money sitting in a 401k and the government says you can invest your 401k and IRA money in almost anything. There's only about three or four things that you can invest in. It's the administrators of those plans that lock you into stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. So I'd been working at the Boeing company for a couple of decades and was making this shift. And of course, I had this capital locked up here, which I thought I couldn't use. And the guy who was in this mastermind group said, Chris, ask your employer if you can do an in-service transfer. And I said, what's an in-service transfer? He said, well, that's where you're younger than 55 and you're still employed and they will let you move some of your money out of their 401k into another plan. And then you can put it into a self-directed 401k and invest in real estate or notes or whatever you want. And I kind of laughed and probably rolled my eyes because here's my thinking. Look, I've been working here for decades. If this were possible, certainly I would have heard about it before. Well, I was completely wrong. And so the company allowed me to take their entire company match out. And after a couple of decades, that was not an insignificant amount of money. And that helped jumpstart me in that. And then a couple other friends that I talked to did the same thing. But I've been working there for decades. This is just kind of like hidden right there out in the open. All you had to do was ask the question, but you'd have to know that. So that's one example. And that's kind of one of those things where I've learned the old saying, if something seems too good to be true, it's probably not true. Well, I go the other way. When you hear something like that, I go, man, what if that is true? And I run toward that stuff instead of run away from it. Yeah. And I think it's interesting, like you said, all you had to do is ask the question, but oftentimes you don't know what you don't know. And it's hard to even know the question to ask, right? And, and that's what we're hoping, obviously, to expose the listeners to as well today. Maybe speak to some pros and cons there that you've learned after making that switch or you know, what pros and cons have you learned and even others that you're working with? So I compare conventional and alternatives across 13 categories. And alternatives win on 11 of the 13. So I'll go through a couple of ones that I think are really interesting is that people wouldn't think of buying a house and then not getting insurance for the house. And I was a conventional investor. You spend a lifetime pouring money into stocks, bonds, and mutual funds in your 401k, and you have no ability to, to insure it. If you buy a single family rental, you go to your insurance broker and say, hey, I'd like to insure this asset against loss, this really expensive thing. And yeah, they will do it. Matter of fact, if you use leverage to buy that property, the bank will require you to have insurance. Now you think you put way more money into your 401k than you ever put down on a house and it's completely unprotected from anything. And I go, well, insurance companies are pretty good about looking at risk. What is it that that portfolio is so risky that they won't insure it. And another example is leverage. If I want to go and buy a small apartment building, I can go and say, hey, you know, will you loan me 400000 to buy this 500000 apartment building? And as long as me and the asset and everything lines up, they'll say yes. If I go to a banker and say, hey, I'd like to borrow 400000 to buy a half a million dollar portfolio of stock bonds or mutual funds after they get done laughing, <laughs> you know, I mean, what is it that bankers look at this supposed asset and say, there's no way I will lend against that. 
Now, conventional investors will argue with me about trading on margin, but they didn't acquire that portfolio by borrowing it. Basically, the margin trading is kind of a line of credit after they've already acquired the asset. So I think those two things are really interesting. And then just one more, the S&P 500 index is kind of the benchmark of, or one of them, of the overall stock market. Well, historically, since its inception, the S&P 500 average annual return has been about 9.8%. Studies have been done about how much does the average equity investor make in the stock market, and it's a little bit more than 5% before taxes and inflation. So talk about being on a mediocre, you know, on a slow path to mediocrity. If you're only making 5% before inflation and taxes, you're probably not even maintaining buying power in your conventional portfolio. And in the alternative world, 15 to 30% returns are just commonplace for us. And some people's minds just explode when you talk about numbers like that. No, that's awesome. That list of pros and cons there is just great. I just think the operators and the passive investors that are listening to know, just as we speak to investors, right? It's great to know those things so we can help explain it. But how would you explain that? Let's say, you know, as the operator, I take many investor calls, right? I mean, every week, just talk to so many investors and people on our team do as well. But I want them to better understand how to explain that to someone who's brand new to this. Right. So we're speaking to that investor and they're like, 401k, sure, I've got one, but I don't know I could do anything like that. What are some things that we need to be prepared for or to be able to explain? Maybe we talked about them a little bit, but I just think, how do we answer that question? So you're trying to basically take mostly conventional investors and ease their fears about moving into your syndications. Well, I, you know, before the call, we were talking about my superpower and I, I call it making complicated things easy. So I've created something called the hierarchy of investors. And it came to me when I started my blog in 2018 and people are saying, well, Chris, what are you trying to do? And I said, well, I'm trying to take people from the bottom and move them up to the top. And what I thought about was Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know, where you start out at physiological and safety, and then eventually you get to self-actualization. Well, the hierarchy of investors at the very, in the shadow of this pyramid, in the shadow of the pyramid, you have, and I call it in the shadow, in the dark, you have the conventional investors. They're not even on the pyramid, right? And then you get on the period and then on the pyramid, then you've got the notes and the real estate and all that stuff is on there. And then off to the side, I've got these 13 categories showing where the advantages are. And this might be a good tool. Like I said, it's a picture. It's on one page. It might be a helpful tool to show them all the advantages of what you're trying to get them. Well, you want them to move in that. Obviously, it's good for you, but everybody wants to make money at this. And that's something that might be helpful. Yeah, that's awesome. It's just great to think through that. I just want listeners who are wanting to become an operator, even if they already are, you need to be prepared to have that conversation, right? You need to be able to expose the investor. And I'm not the expert in 401ks or self-directed IRAs, but hey, we have a team of people, right? Like Chris, that will help us to navigate that conversation or even help the investor. But we do want to be able to expose the idea to the investor so they can invest better, right? And do better. And so often, hey, They just didn't know. Like you mentioned earlier, we don't even know to ask the question. And so what else about alternative investments and syndication should we be aware of, Chris, or the operator or passive investor? Well, I think the huge thing is everybody's an investor. Everybody's saving for something, investing for their future someday where they don't want to work or they can't want to work. And I believe that, believe it or not, the low-hanging fruit is reducing or eliminating your taxes. Okay, I need to get there faster, so I need to generate another 15 or 20% annual return. Okay, well, that might be difficult, but then where your starting point are, but if it's frankly so easy to reduce or eliminate your taxes, and most of the alternative investments 
any of the real estate category have a built-in tax advantage, something called depreciation. And here's a good example. So let's say that somebody went out and bought a single family rental and they got your typical 20% down uh, loan, 30-year amortization, fixed rate, and the house never appreciated over 30 years and it never generated any positive cash flow. All it did was pay its expenses. So just the fact that somebody else paid off that mortgage over 30 years is a little bit more than a 13% annual return. Wow. And going back to 401, you know, what's one of the big selling points of 401ks? Well, you get this employer match, but the employer matches your money every time you make a contribution. When you buy a single family rental, for example, you get a contribution every year for 30 years. That's somebody else paying your mortgage and you get a tax benefit every year called depreciation. And so I put together a little single sheet that compares kind of a mutual fund to a 401k and a single family rental and a single family wins hands down all the time. Go ahead and tell the listener where they can find that. I think that's a great comparison just to think through that as the investor or even the operator. It's very helpful. Well, if you go to my website, the prolificinvestor.net, I don't have the blog article in front of me, but that is on there as well as the download of the hierarchy of investors. Yeah. So they can get that there for free under the resources page. That's awesome. Well, Chris, changing gears a little bit, just as we get into the last few minutes here, any predictions that you have for just the real estate market or investing or anything like that that you have? I mean, I know you have that crystal ball there next to you, <laughs> you know, but I just like to ask, what do people expect? How are you preparing for that? Any things that you'd like for us to know? You know, there's so much information out there about the real estate market and where it's gone. We're in a bubble. When's it going to bust? And for every person, every 25 people, you could get 25 different opinions. And for me, it's kind of like the preponderance of evidence and listening to people that are a lot smarter than me that have a good track record. And what I have come to believe is that there's a huge housing shorting in the country, something like 4 million units, whether that's single family or apartment units. So we've got this huge undersupply. And so that's going to keep driving prices and that's not going to turn around overnight. So I think that the first part of this decade here, there's an opportunity to make a ton of money. Obviously, you have to be, every market is different. You have to be in the right market, but I think that's going to happen. And something's also probably going to happen. All these states in my former state of Washington and particularly Seattle with these eviction moratoriums, investors are going to leave there and they're not going to go there. And so the effect of those moratoriums is going to have the opposite effect. It's just going to create less affordable housing there. And those investors and those people are going to move to the states, a lot of the states which I'm already investing in because there's more of a balance between landlord and the tenant. And so those places are going to continue to see increase in value. It's going to create another supply and demand problem in those markets. And those are some of the things that I see. For sure. No, I appreciate you elaborating. I just think it's some great points that we need to be thinking about. What are a couple of daily habits that you have or disciplined about that's helped you achieve success? I'll tell you a brand new one that has really changed everything. I heard a podcast, and I think it was the author of The One Thing. I don't know if you've read that book or not. Oh, yeah. And I hadn't even read the book. And just from hearing the interview, I went, oh my gosh, I'm this prolific user of to-do lists. And I've heard many people say that's the wrong way. And I've never been able to get away from it. But anyway, this and I was like, you know, I know exactly what my one thing is today. And then that one thing is done. I already know what the next four or five things are. So that has really, in the last month or so, just kind of changed things for me. No, that's awesome. Thinking through what is that one thing? It's a book that I read a few years back and would highly encourage the listener to read as well. What's the number one thing that's contributed to your success? If you had to pick one. 
I think it's having childlike curiosity and the thing that we've talked about, about not running away from things that sound too good to be true. So that example of being able to do an in-service transfer, and there have been when I was working and the people kind of in my circle that watched me climb out of this financial hole and just didn't change anything. So being open-minded for new ideas is really important. And how do you like to give back? Most of the stuff on my website, oh, except for the upcoming book that's coming out on mid-October called Get Off Your Ass and Manage Your Money, Why You Need Alternative Investments. For the most part, everything on there is free. And I set aside one day a week. Right now, it's Thursdays. And there's a little coffee cup on the website for anybody who wants to have a three 30-minute virtual coffee with me. We'll get on a Zoom call, talk about personal finance. So I do that one day a week. And just in my daily travels, I meet people. And if it's appropriate and the conversation comes up, and I talk about what I do. I say, hey, if you ever want to call me or get together for coffee, I'm happy to do that. So I'm always trying to move people down the path, You know, those that are, <laughs> those that are open to that. Nope, that's awesome. Uh, Chris, grateful for that. Grateful for sharing that. Even your time once a week talking about how you have that virtual coffee. I think it's neat to just open that up and have that opportunity. You never know who's going to get on there, right? But Chris, thank you again, helping us to think about conventional versus alternative investments and really helping us get our mind out of that box, right? Many of us are taught growing up just to think that way. It's the only way to do it. And I look forward to even seeing that paper that you wrote talking about those compared to the single family home. And I just think that kind of light some light bulbs right there from many people. And so tell the listeners how, again, how they can get in touch with you and learn more about you. Yeah, everything about me, you can find it at theprolificinvestor.net. There's a conventional wisdom quiz there. There's 10 questions, a little bit, they're kind of trick questions and they come out the way they are. So you get an email, there's the virtual coffee. You can find out how to buy the book and all the social media channels and YouTube, everything is there. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate, while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.